podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. Welcome, one and all, as we reflect on another frustrating Pride Park result. Uh, Getting a draw off a playoff hopeful who haven't lost this season would, on paper, seem like a positive result. But the manner in which Derby County dropped two points this weekend and also increasing questions over Paul Warren's playing style mean that there are rumblings of discontent as the Rams season is yet to truly take off or show signs that we can replicate last season's 20-game unbeaten run. Uh, I am a slightly worse for wear, Chris Parsons, after a first trip this season to Pride Park this weekend. Uh, My partner in crime was Richard Kutcher, a classic good day out ruined by a 95-minute equaliser. Ruined by 85 minutes of football, probably. Um, it's a really good day out. Uh, really good catch up with some of our patrons at the pub. Uh, met quite a few listeners who recognised uh, Tom and I in the concourse, uh, I think half time and before the match, which was nice. Uh, and yeah, it's nice to get back up to Pride Park, have some fantastic ale, as you'd always expect from our, our friends in the Brunswick and the Alex and the Taps. So um, yeah, great day out, good company, and uh, some average football. <laughs> I tell you what, it doesn't help. A hangover after the football, Blake, is uh, being woken up at 6.02am by two children under five. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> Do you enjoy it? Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, I joined you boys at the top after the game and, and met some of the patrons. In, for, thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the niche Derby County chat that, in, uh, that ensued. It was very niche, but it was right on my street. We went down some avenues of Derby County chat that I haven't been down for a a very long time of, of naming certain <laughs> players and there were certain kind of qu- questions about, oh, what about if we do this as a quiz question and what about this and, and that? And it really got me going as a, as a Derby County nerd that I am. The the company, I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that you you two are, are nerds, but you facilitated I'll say it, but the... believe me, that's, that's fine. I'm not, <laughs> no offence taken. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a group of Derby County nerds and we had some very, very entertaining Derby County chat that I thoroughly enjoyed at the top. So yeah, it was, it was brilliant to meet the patrons. Well, more on all of that later, uh, as we are not here to uh, disappoint anyone from what you just said there. Um, Kutch, I want to kick off. We'll get to the Portsmouth game shortly but I did just notice scrolling through the club socials just now uh, that Derby actually tweeted about today being the two-year anniversary of Derby going into administration uh, so keeping it cheery on a Sunday morning um, and I thought I've got to dive straight into the replies on that tweet and they didn't dis- <laughs> they didn't disappoint it was basically loads of people saying like I don't give a shit anymore who cares about that it'd be nice if we got a manager that sort of thing just people trying to be sort of clever and get things off their chest. But it does raise that that sort of perpetual question again. Like, is now the time that we should have moved on from mentioning administration as a thing? Or will it just always be 
that like specter and, and list that, that always be that useful context that just looms over us and basically dictates any given situation that we're in as a football club going forward. I don't think it dictates any situation that we're in, but it's a, a huge, huge event which people should not forget because if you forget things, you're more likely to repeat the same mistakes of the past. So I think it's very useful context to to remember, to know where we've come from. It, it does it does um, have a big part to play in, in where the club, well, it has a huge part to play. It's the biggest factor in, in the reason why the club is in the situation it is in now. We're still rebuilding from it. So no, I think people absolutely should remember it. Remember how we ended up there. Remember some of the mistakes that we made, which got us into that position in the first place. Um, does it excuse everything that's happening now which we might not agree with or might not think is going um correctly no it doesn't excuse everything but it is an influence and uh as we know i think it was mentioned in the fans forum that for one example the youth academy was completely gutted from the inside out as a result of administration and uh, we are still paying the price for that um in terms of squad depth in terms of availability of players that could be sold on that can fill the fill the youth teams and, and, and challenge replaces in the first team. So it still has a huge influence. And it was a huge traumatic event for the whole club and the fan base, uh, which leaves uh, which leaves a scar, which I think we'll all feel forever. So no, it shouldn't be forgotten. It can't be used as an excuse for everything, but it is hugely influential as to what we are in now. I'm just curious, Blake. I'm not sure I've asked you this before. Where, where were you when you found out the news? I was weirdly in the same place where I found out that we'd been saved by David Clowes. I was working in Nottingham at that time. So sorry to swear on the podcast, but I, I can remember hearing the news. It seems just to touch on the point of the anniversary in my head, it seems a lot longer ago in a lot of respects because a lot of hap- a lot has happened since. So when we were reminded it was only two years ago, it's, it's like coach uh, said, it's like it, you do need reminding that this that this massive event, one of the biggest things that's ever happened to the football club, only happened two years ago. It seems a lot longer ago. I was in Nottingham. I remember hearing the news and uh, like tears. It was genuinely yeah, dagger to the heart, wasn't it? Yeah, for everyone. It was. It was. It was genuinely. Yeah, and and, and I generally feared for the club at the time. So yeah, I can remember hearing that news. And even when you say two years now, in some respects, it's like. Two years is like, oh, that two years has gone quick. But then in some respects, it seems a long time ago. Does that make sense? Kind of, because so much has happened since in respect to like what Coach was saying about we need to remember it. I, I, I thoroughly agree with that, but it can't be used as, as an excuse going forward where people say, yeah, but two years ago, we was we nearly lost a football club. There has to be a point where we park that, move on from that. And it can't always be referred back to as like an excuse going forward. So it's an important part of Derby County's history. We'll always remember it. I mean, two years, I can't believe it's two years, but it has to be parked at some point. Well, on to cheerier on the field matters then. Um, a, a point picks up at the weekend, but that really wasn't the whole story at all, was it? Derby won, Portsmouth won. Uh, Portsmouth remain unbeaten this season. Uh, a few five-word reviews from X. I'll call it X if I have to, I guess. Um, but I must say... I do these every so often, every few episodes, and this was probably, by a distance, the most negative set of five-word reviews I've had after a game for probably about a year, I'd say, and bear in mind what we've been through in that time. Um, But Derby 1, Portsmouth 1, five-word reviews, Alex Fisher, My Kingdom for some creativity, Martin Orgill, very average mid-table team, 
Uh, Chris Hill, one of our patrons, defensively sound, clueless going forward. Michael John, dominated by another away team. Norway Mark, another one of our great patrons. What's the game plan, Paul? Uh, Mike Satterley on Twitter, simply not enough quality, Dyer. Uh, Andrew Woodman, Turgid, Sibley, the one highlight. Uh, and a couple more. Chris Leadham, dull, boring, slow, predictable, lucky. Uh, James Hodgson, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, David Hughes, point despite being pretty poor. And one last positive one to finish on a, a an upward curve. Uh, didn't lose back the boys. Uh, we're all there, Kutch, at the weekend uh, against Portsmouth. It, it should be, as I said at the beginning, in theory, uh, a positive step. Uh, you know, a point against a um, against a, a promotion chasing team, and the context would have changed it if we'd have gone one nil down and then equalised in ninety fifth minute. Maybe the reaction would have been more upbeat. But like, why was it such a tough watch? Well, I think the first the first five word review you read there, I think touched on the lack of creativity or, you know, no creativity at all. And that's my main takeaway was there was nothing, right? There was, there, apart from the first 10 minutes where I thought we started quite brightly and it was actually quite an open game. And Tom Tom said to us 10 minutes in, oh, there's going to be goals, you know, both, there's going to be goals in this, plural, not just one each. Um, and then quickly, Derby just fell away, offered nothing apart from a couple of chances in the first 10 minutes, which maybe we'll come on to. Um, and there was just, there was no game plan. There was no obvious game plan. There was no patterns of play which were creating chances or creating overloads or Wagon didn't seem to get on the ball anywhere near enough, particularly in the first half. Um, it just didn't feel like there was, Mendes Lang looked off it, which is understandable because he's been kind of around the world. Maybe he shouldn't have started. Um, but we weren't creating anything, we, and it wasn't. There didn't seem to be anything we were trying to do, other than kind of a, a hoof down the down the channels for Washington to chase. And he actually did kind of half, create a couple of half chances out of out of doing that. I thought he was he was you know was okay in terms of the amount of effort he put in. Um, but increasingly, they they weren't particularly great, but they certainly had more control of the game. Thought they had the better chances overall. And when we did score that that penalty, it felt like okay, we're going to snatch three points here. We can kind of get away, get away with a great three points without playing well, which makes it even more frustrating when you get in that position and then you give it away. They've had two weeks off, and I was really expecting a performance after two weeks off. Uh, and I thought they'd come with a game plan and deliver it, and they didn't. And that's what I found most frustrating. Blake, if someone said to you, "What is Paul Warren's game plan?" Not to put you on the spot, what do you think you'd tell them? It, this is what struck me yesterday that he said in interviews, I want to settle well defensively and I want to go at teams from the first minute at home. So you got Portsmouth there yesterday. They brought 3,100 fans, very loud. You want to go and make an impact on him. And we never really laid a glove. And if that's his game plan that you want to go at home, go at these teams, go and batter teams at home in the first 10, 15 minutes, get the crowd on your side. And he said these in, in said this in interviews time and time again. He wants to go into these games, first 10, 15 minutes. He wants to go and win that first tackle, go and make these chances in the first 10, 15 minutes, shut the Portsmouth fans up that were particularly loud. It just yesterday just didn't seem like that way. My kind of frustration with how he sets up is is he setting up where he's got his game plan and he's getting players to play in his game plan rather than having a game plan to suit the players 
So is he sticking to what he wants to do rather than playing a system that would suit his players better? I guess when by impose yourself, he, he means like win every single 50-50, like press as a team, provide overloads, get bodies in the box, pump ball after ball into their area. But we didn't really see that particularly, did we, Coach? No, where's the pressing gone? I think the first game of the season, you know, we came flying out the traps. We were pressing hard. I know we ultimately lost against Wigan, but, you know, we were, the crowd was up. We were loving the, you know, it's, it's really exciting to watch a team press really well and press really aggressively. That's actually you know, one of the great kind of more modern or last 10, 15 years innovations in football, which is really exciting, I think. Um, and that's what he promised us, right? That's, that's what the, the whole plan was. And I feel like the last few games, we don't really see it. Uh, I don't really remember us getting a, a really good press on against Pompey at all yesterday. Look, I, I know we've got a lot of injuries. Maybe he's had to kind of recalibrate things because we ha- can't sustain that intensity. But you say about imposing ourselves, that at no point yesterday was there like a, a even a five, 10 minute spell of like sustained pressure and, and, winning, and winning every 50-50, as you say, Chris, and, and putting them under the pump and, and making them panic and, and making them make mistakes. Like we never looked like doing that. I thought... Um, you know, there was a couple of chances right at the start of the game. Fozzy back post, you know, back post arriving from a Harrow and free kick probably should have done better. Should have hit the target. If he hits the target from there, it goes in. Um, Harrahan had the chance from the edge of the box in the first ten minutes. He's got to be hitting the target from there. That's exactly where you want him coming onto the ball. It, he had a clear. He could have a clear strike at the far corner, and he he dragged it wide and it hit Wagon and it almost went in. Hit, hit the bar, but after that. There was there was really nothing uh, from Derby or game, and yeah, I don't see a game plan. That's that's what's really worrying to me. The the, the result's an okay result. Uh, yeah, we should be winning. We should want to win every game at home, but I think one one was an okay result. But the performance was um, was very very disappointing. Yeah, I know, I know I know what you mean. I think, and we we talked about this on our Discord a bit earlier. Like, it's not that I don't see a game plan. Like, it, it seems the worn ball, if we're going to call it that, is get it wide as quickly as possible, get ball after ball into the box and then feed off knockdowns or stuff around the six to 18 yard box or or basically play for set pieces um, and have late arrivals at the back, po- you know, coming onto balls or at the back post or something like that. Like that's probably a simplistic take on it, but that's what it seems to be for me from watching it. I mean, Warren himself, Blake said we weren't at our best. Um, it was asked that stupid question again about being a nearly team. Uh, and he said, we were a bit off being a nearly team. So I think that's like manager speak for saying we were bang average, basically. Uh, and he said, we had another gear we didn't use, which maybe suggests that like he does want to see more desire and energy from them, but he's he's not getting it. But in terms of the Portsmouth goal, Blake, like the warning signs were there. Um, we We can't say at all that... It was a it was it was a smash and grab or a bolt from the blue or any other cliche like you know Portsmouth had a, probably the best chance of the of the game in the first half when I think Shaughnessy the 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 defender sort of came onto a shot across the box and stuck it a yard wide of the post and then even in the move just before the goal they put a point blank header um, I think he headed it into the floor and over or or wide or something just before the cross that came in that they scored from so. Um, yeah, the, the warning signs were there, weren't they? And let's face it, if we had have won, it would have been a bit of a mugging, wouldn't it? 
Well, my initial assessment, and when I, I spoke to my dad, as I do after every game straight away, my initial assessment was if that was a boxing match after 80 minutes, it had been a draw, but Portsmouth would have probably edged it on points. But in terms of 95th minute equalisers, I've seen Derby County concede. It was I was probably at the lower end of gutted because the sitters kept coming and you could see it coming. And it wasn't a, it wasn't like a oh my god we've been one nil up for twenty minutes and we've we've smashed them we've paid them off the park. I was obviously got, uh, disappointed and gutted, but it just felt like it was coming. So I was had that oh my heart sank, but it felt like it was coming. I've struggled all day to try and articulate how I feel about it, and I still don't really know how I feel about it because on paper they're unbeaten. We've drawn with them. We've played five of the top eight, ten teams in the first seven games. So it's on paper at the start of the season, you've probably taken one all, but the manner of it, we didn't really, we didn't really do enough, did we, to get a result? I mean, we did, we did enough, maybe, if I'm being really generous, to get a draw. If I'm being really generous. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned it actually because uh, our Patreon episode this month is uh, another at the match special where we uh, myself and Tom and Kutch recorded our day at Pride Park so a podcast recorded from the terraces um we actually we're it's in this clip coming up we were actually just talking about how Portsmouth had just missed a sitter and then we'd be lucky to hang on for a, a, a scrappy one nil win uh, when Portsmouth score as we're talking uh, so here's a little flavor of what it's about. Oh my goodness. Huge Pompey chance. 93 minutes gone. Derby are hanging on a bit. I think it comes with a bit of a foul on Waggon actually in the build-up, but cross in, free header, into the ground and over the bar. A bit of a let-off there, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, a big let-off, but um, at the same time, you would say that despite Portsmouth's possession, uh, Derby never really looked like scoring going forward, but Portsmouth haven't either. I think uh, Walsh has played one save from the corner in the second half, and uh, Portsmouth have like, had some ni- nice play, but nothing else. Derby, having scored, now look well well worthy of the uh, three points. I think a point would have been fair either side, but, um, but yeah, Derby have nicked the goal, and uh, I don't think Portsmouth are good enough to equalise. Coach, we haven't really had any attempts on goal. I can't even remember <laughs> if we deserve this. If we, if we do see it out, we haven't. I agree with Tom. We haven't necessarily deserved to win. We haven't. Uh, Pompey haven't necessarily deserved to win either. So it's been a, a very 50-50 game. And how, how many times have you said that today? No, yeah, well, exactly. No quality. No quality on either side. And and they handballed it in the box and we didn't. Yeah. You're, you're an away fan, you come away from this game going, oh, we're quite excited because we're holding Derby, a, a better team than us away from home and we're playing really well after 70 minutes. But then you go and make a mistake like that defensively and Derby have punished them. Uh, there's another handball there, Beth, come on. Um, but at the same time, like... Probably going forward, trying to get a cross in. And it goes. Oh! That's good. There's a handball. Handball. Probably have equalised. There's a big handball in the middle of that. I'd love to see the replay, but I think that's handball. It's 1-1. 94 minutes played. I don't think we can really have any complaints. No, I think a draw is a fair result, as I was saying like a minute ago. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do think that Derby hadn't made a mistake in terms of that. Like Derby didn't do enough to go forward and score the goal. I was uh, quite surprised that we did score it. 
and then um, Paulson would come back and score it. I do think there was a handball in that, so I'd like to see the replay. So uh, to sign up for that one, just head over to uh, patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing. Derby 3-0 up. Good turn. Carsley breaks clear. Carsley cuts inside. We'll have a shot and we'll score. Four goals now for Derby in a frenetic ending. No wonder they can't believe it on the bench. Nine goals in two matches now for Derby County. And another home win. Hi there, we County fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mart Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Nine goals in two games, eh? Um, I can't, I'm not sure right now I can ever picture that happening again in my lifetime, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, part two on Steve Bloomer's Washing. A few more five-word reviews. Let's dive into some of those. Uh, let's really hit rock bottom on these before we try and dig ourselves out of this negativity hole. Uh, Kevin Barber said injuries equal unbalanced team cohesion. Uh, Matt Reed, paceless and graceless in midfield. Uh, Tim Trainer said mid table at the best. Mickey Sheehan said warned you about fraud warn. Strong words from him. Uh, Dan Latchford said, average display change is needed. Martin Broadhurst said, late drama back to reality. Uh, Mark Gray said, can't string three passes together. And Jason Ives, one of our great patrons, said, five rusty players, happy draw. Let's look at the positives. I think there are some. Bear with me on this, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) look the point I was going to make is that we've got easier fixtures coming up Blake touched on it we'll play seven games uh, and five of those teams Wigan Bolton Oxford Peterborough and Portsmouth you would expect to be at least in the top 10 the end of the season probably the top eight Um, I mean Wigan would be I think just outside the playoffs and goal difference without that points deduction Portsmouth are the early pace setters Bolton, we've talked about before, pre-season favourites. So I think you can objectively say that we have had a harder than average start to the season. It's not an excuse. If we're going to get out of this division, we have to be beating more of those teams than we don't. And we probably could and should have at least two or three more points than we do. But we've got easier fixtures and we have got more squad depth coming back, Blake. You talked about it before. Barkhausen got minutes at the weekend. Louis Sibley got minutes, although, I don't know, we've talked about him so many times on this part, I just wonder, is he like a certain starter who's going to get us through games in this in, at this level? Is he more of like an impact sub or like a squad player? But Kane Wilson got minutes to got minutes at the weekend. Paul Warren said he didn't expect to give him as many as he got. Um, and I think I agree with him because I think he came back about four weeks early from an eight-week injury. So I'm not quite sure how he's managed to make it out on the pitch. But he's ahead of schedule Elliot Embleton, um, look, we're not full strength yet and we probably won't be till what, like early November, I guess, with Bird and Ward and everyone else, but at least we'll have more bodies available for these, in theory, easier games, although that's Harrahan and and John Jules injuries pending. Um, So do you think there are reasons to be cheerful with the games coming up? Um, 
Uh, Please say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's dependent uh, dependent on the the Hurahan injury because the, the midfield is worrying me now because they seem to be dropping like flies and that seems to be a worry and not a worry that we haven't got the depth in squad but it's like yesterday uh, as I previously mentioned as soon as Fauna gets a yellow gets a warning just before half time who's going to come on so then you have to like move Corey Smith away to right bring so you're moving everything around. Yes, it's it's brilliant that we've got that that depth in squad. I'd almost forgot about Tom Barkhausen, uh, to to be honest, until he came on yesterday, and and did all right. I had a great chance in the final minutes, and I, and I can't begrudge him missing that chance because obviously, if you play in if you played in M seven games, you you're probably a bit sharper to cut in and curl that into the top corner or do a bit better with it. So I, I don't begrudge him missing that chance. But Barkhausen, Sibley, the names you mentioned, they're probably players that. Didn't feature at the front forefront of uh, Paul Warren's mind when he was putting this team together. So he's put this team together, and through no fault of his own, has has lost well three, four, maybe five of the the key players in in that squad. You look at Ward; he was. We talk about the game plan of knocking it out to the wing and whipping it into the box. I think he was signed for exactly that for that reason. So you bring these players in, and Barkhausen's come out of the dark. Sibley seems to. For want of a better expression, comes comes on when he has to bring him on. Um, so yeah, it's nice that we've got that depth in the squad. But I think when we talk about uh, Warren's game plan, were were these players a part of putting that game plan together? I don't think they were. I think where Sibley and Barkhausen should prove valuable is actually in some of those easier games. I don't see them being game changers or, or the guys that are going to win us the games against Wigan or the games against, uh, I don't know, uh, Bolton, like, do you know what I mean? But I think like we seem simply can be a bit of a flat track buddy sometimes. I think in this league, there's a lot of, um, a lot of teams where just a couple of, yeah, a, a, a blistering run and a good shot from outside the box will, will kind of get us through. And I, th- I think Barkhausen looked quite bright yesterday when he came on and he had a good chance. He could have, could have got the winner actually. And when he managed to, you know, cut it, kind of turn a defender inside out, um, and he just put it put it a bit too high. And I think it went over the bar or just wide. Um, I, I think I think those two definitely give you better options. I mean, Barkhausen for me, I said it in pre season. He, I'm surprised he's not considered one of the four strikers. You know, Warren was desperate to have four strikers, and Barkhausen, when he left Preston, I think one of the reasons he joined us was for a senior wanted to play him down the middle as a striker, and he ended up back out on the wing. I think, and um, I think that's where he wants to play. But I've never heard Warren mention mention him be used there. But he's another option, either out wide or or through the middle. Uh, Louis Sibley does give us more legs in midfield. Um, he has, you know, he's we, we kind of he's had his moments, right, in in various positions, whether it's in the number ten position or even in a in a midfield three. I think there's a couple of away games last season uh, when when he when he looked particularly good in those games. Um, and he is a goal threat. We do need goals from midfield. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with Wilson back earlier than we thought and Elder now in a position where he can start games, wouldn't be surprised to see Warren try and go back to a 3-5 or 5-3-2. Um, it's the question is, have we, got, have we got the midfielders to do it? I thought Emerson looked okay. Uh, Fauna didn't have the best. Me and Tom both were very critical of Fauna in the first half. Didn't think he was actually particularly great. Um, but we were sat too deep and we were being too passive and I think he wants to be on the, on the front foot. Um, so if Fauna's if Fauna's fit and able to play, if Emerton's fit and able to play, if Harrowhan's injury isn't too bad, um, then we probably do have the midfield to have a kind of a free in the midfield again. Um, the, I thought the, the bench looked a lot stronger at the start of the day. We go, oh wow, okay, Wilson's back, 
Barkhausen's back, Sibley's back, Collins on the bench. Collins had an impact when he came on. I thought the bench looked a lot stronger. It's actually uh, probably most of the starting eleven that let us down yesterday. It's interesting with the fixtures coming up, Kutch. Um, so yeah, we, we've had a, a relatively tough start to the season, but next is Carlisle away. Um, they've only won one game this season so far. And Cambridge at home, who are just above us in the league. Um, Blackpool away. No idea what to make of that, really. I mean, they obviously comfortably turned us over at Pride Park a few weeks ago in the League Cup. And Charlton at home, who seem to be like a perpetually mid-table League One side these days. Uh, all mid-table teams, but we've just we've got to show up in those games and impose ourselves and show what we're about and give the fan base something to cling on to and, and, or some momentum to, to build as we sort of go into the, the, the autumn and, and winter. I am personally expecting, I'd say, eight points from those four games. Uh, I think that's what we need to basically stop this negativity towards the manager and the coaching staff um, for stopping it from getting any worse. And we, it's it's ridiculous to have to say this in early September, but I just don't think we cannot lose at Carlisle at the weekend uh, if, if we're going to stop things from getting completely toxic. But what I did notice, Blake, is, you know, look, we got completely and utterly horrendously booed off, deservedly so, against Oxford, I think, and possibly Wigan as well, because it was that bad. Oh, no, it was Oxford and Blackpool, wasn't it? Um, but I, d- I don't remember us getting, I don't remember that many boos against Portsmouth yesterday. I guess everyone was just so shocked from the, you know, the two late goals and everything. Uh, but whereas the, the reaction on socials was absolutely horrendous af- after Portsmouth, but that wasn't reflected in a reaction in the ground at the time. Um, I mean, obviously you're going up to Carlisle. How, how bad do you think it could be if we end up getting rolled over in that game? I think yesterday, Joe, because it, it got so flat so quickly, I think even I, will, I look back at a video that I put on my Instagram story and and I've got, um, on my phone and it was me and my mate and we watched it and even the 86th minute penalty wasn't celebrated like we just got potentially a winning goal with four minutes to go against probably one of our main contenders for promotion so even then I look back at that and I thought well that's not celebrated as much as maybe it could have been maybe it's because the game was so flat that people just I don't know were bored rather than annoyed <laughs> to a certain degree but going on going on to Carlisle I mean, I spoke, uh, as you both know, I, I played in that cricket match of the week with, with Paul Warren. I was in the changing room with Paul Warren. And his thoughts were those two games coming back to back. If we'd have had, was it Oxford and Blackpool, the, the two games that were booed off? Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, if we'd have had Oxford away and played how we played and then gone to Blackpool away in the League Cup, we wouldn't have been booed off. And, that, and that's not a, a detriment to anyone at Pride Park. It's when you've got a home game and you've got 30,000 there, there's, there's, there is a slightly different atmosphere. If you had Carlisle at home on Saturday and we lost, obviously it's you've got Carlisle at home, but the away game, I think th- there might be a, a certain element of toxic atmosphere, but I don't think it would be as bad as a we're 2-0 down to Carlisle at half-time, they get booed off. I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, and I don't know why that is, and that's not, that's not a thing of uh, me saying that the uh, crowd at Pride Park is negative or anything. That's just a dynamic within football. But I think the pressure the pressure comes off slightly when you go away. 
So I think he'll be enjoying having the fact that Derby County can go away to a winnable game now. When I look at those fixtures, Chris, that are coming up, what what excites me most about them is that they're there's three away there's three away games. You know, Carlisle away, and then uh, you know Blackpool away and Cheltenham away. And I'm really I you know from the way that we played at Peterborough and the way that we did the job on Burton um, away from home, I feel like this set this team is set up to play away from home. Um, which is what worry, which is what worries me at home is it feels like we're trying to play the same way at home as we play away. It's not going to work for us at home because we've got to go and we've got to go and beat teams at home. Whereas away we can kind of sit back, absorb pressure, and and, and hit people and hit, and we have the quality to do that. Um, yeah, I didn't think the performance was terrible yesterday. I just thought it was boring. Like I thought we were, we were worse against um, against Oxford and Blackpool, and the Blackpool game was obviously was uh, was a cup game, wasn't it? Um, and it was, there was, um, I think it was Blackpool's second team and half of our first team. Um, and we still managed to screw it up. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a lack of effort. It wasn't every pass wasn't going astray, but it just wasn't a game plan that I could tell. And there wasn't any creativity. It was a boring game yesterday. And Derby were, yeah, as Warren said, probably stuck in second or third gear, which is what made it so frustrating. But I'm quite confident with the away games. You know, Carlisle, we should be turning them over. Blackpool way will be a tough game, but we're good away from home and they've they've been very inconsistent. And then think Cheltenham, we should be expecting to beat Cheltenham. So I'm I'm hopeful that those those three games can give us some momentum. I think Cambridge at home is in the middle of that. Um and we should they've fallen up a little bit after starting the season pretty well. So there's there's there's, there's so much room for improvement in that team. I I disagree. A lot of people on our Discord and on Twitter seem to think that the team isn't good enough. I think on paper that team is perfectly capable of getting top two. I oh really yeah, do. Me too. The, the yeah. squad, the squad is the squad has good enough players to get top two. Now at the moment they're not playing well enough, and the manager and the coaches haven't got the right game plan into them. They're not they're not executing it. But there is there is a lot of room for improvement, and this team can still go on. A, any any team in that time of top ten that we talk about in this in this league are capable of going on a, on a ten game winning run. Uh, but you know only a couple of teams are going to do that. I think the thing that encourages me is that the two times we were this bad before, we did get a reaction, albeit against two of the poorer teams in this league. But after Blackpool, we beat Burton. And after Oxford, we beat Fleetwood. Yeah, we, we've won immediately after these horror show home performances. Um, and I'm confident it will happen again. So look, fingers crossed for a result up at Carlisle. But uh, we're going to wrap things up for this pod with uh, a couple of little extra things we haven't done for a while. One of our patrons, a couple of guys at the weekend said like, why do you do quizzes anymore? Do a quiz again. Well, it's mainly because they're, they're a bit of a bore leg to edit, to be honest. Um, so it's part laziness, sure. But we're diving back in. Let's get it done. It's time for a Guess the 11 Portsmouth at Home special. Kutch versus Blake. I reckon you can probably guess the game I'm going to go for, um, but I've just had the YouTube highlights for this on, uh, voiced by the dulcet tones of Adrian Childs on Match of the Day 2. It <laughs> is Derby County 2, Portsmouth 2, August 2007. The rules, Blake, are very simple. Take it in turns to name a player who started for either team, Derby or Portsmouth, in that game. Um if you get an answer wrong, you get a yellow card. If you get a second answer wrong, 
you are out uh, and you lose the game. Let's have it. Guess the 11, Derby 2, Portsmouth 2, August 2007. Blake Fellows, you can start. Stephen Barwater. Correct. That was going to be my first shout. Um, Matthew Oakley. Scored Derby's opener, correct. Andy Todd. Scored Derby's equaliser, correct. Did he sign in time for this guy? I'll keep it simple, Richard. Stevie Howard. Darren Moore. I can see your eyes moving there, Blake. I hope you're not Googling. Don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare. (laughs) I'm going to go Stephen Pearson. Just consulting my other tab. Dean Leacock. Yellow card for Blake. He's not there. He's not there. Um, I'm not sure if he's signed in time. I'm going to say Claude Davis. Of course, Big Claude was there. Yes. Some defensive marquee signing, wasn't he, that season? FDP head. Oh, the pre- Joe, when you're on a yellow, like, I feel like Fauna yesterday now. <laughs> Get him off. <laughs> this is disciplinary tightrope tight for Blake Vallows. No Pompey players yet. Jay McEverly. James McEverly is there. Yes! That was a risk, by the way. <laughs> um, Came on, I should say, as a sub for Andy Griffin. Oh, oh gave wow. away. <laughs> Andy Griffin! <laughs> Do you know what happened there? I meant to say Andy Todd, who you have said, but I said Andy Griffin. So have a free one. No one can and use that... Andy, Andy Griffin. He's vetoed. Okay. Um, I'll go... <laughs> Shambles. Well, that means that means that I'll go Craig Fagan. Love that from you. That was my next couldn't, one. Couldn't tackle a fish supper, according to Buddy Davis. <laughs> Do you know what? Joe, when you've got one in your head and someone does it, then you've got to rethink Fagan was going to be the next one. Right back. Tyro Mears. Tyro Mears. I had him. Big ties yeah. there. So you have now named all but one of Derby's starting eleven. So you've got for Derby, you've got three subs. Oh no, sorry, five subs. Two of them are, are on there. Four subs and one starter still to name. I'm struggling to with the pom- with the Pompey team. I'm just starting to know exactly who was there at that time. There's lots of players I know around there. It is um, a it is a wild Pompey starting eleven. I'll tell you that for free. I'll go a bit risky and go David James. Jamo. Um, <laughs> I want to go risky, but I'm on a yellow. Um... <laughs> Keep it safe. Five-yard passes, Blake. Five-yard pass. Uh, five-yard pass. I want to go for this second striker. I'm trying to think who was up front with Steve Howard. And it wouldn't have been... I don't think it would have been Kenny Miller by that point because his debut was Newcastle, wasn't it, when we got the point. So, uh, Rob Earnshaw? He's there. <laughs> One of the few games he actually started for Derby, surely. Yeah, that's where I was, <laughs> that's where I was going to go next was Rob Earnshaw. Um, all right, then... Uh, what about Glenn Johnson? Great shout. Glenn Johnson is not there. Kutch has gone in, studs high. Yeah, the ref called him over. He's brandished a card. Sudden death. I'm going to go Portsmouth. Nico Crancher. Nico Crancher for Portsmouth. <laughs> over, Blake. I'm sorry, mate. He's not there. I should have stuck with Derby. Why have I gone Ports- Why have I gone Portsmouth? Very good game, though. Uh, look, let me. Uh, I would have been very impressed if you'd have named all of Derby's subs because Derby's subs were Eddie Lewis, L- Lewis Price, uh, David Jones, Far Harbour, 
and uh, Jonathan Macken. He was a substitute Premier League forward on the first day of the season. You also missed uh, Sir Gary of Teal, who came on as a sub for Robert Earnshaw. Uh, and you, oh, you missed Andy Griffin, of course. That's an obvious one. Yeah, that's stupid of you, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but you've got everyone else. Well done. Portsmouth starting 11, David James. Back four of Lauren, Sylvan Distan, Sol Campbell and Herman Aridison. Then in the middle, it was John Utaka, Sean Davis, Pedro Mendes and Sully Montari, who was substituted for Matty Taylor. And up front, this is mad, uh, David Nugent and Ben Jarni uh, with ben substitute appearances from No Pamero and Carnu. And they had Jamie Ashdown and Richard Hughes on the bench. Good game, lads. Good game. Yeah, well played, Blake. I'm glad I glad I saw your way there. I thought we did we did well on the eleven because there's not a lot of players to choose from. Like it's quite everyone knows that team because it was mostly the promotion team plus Earnshaw, Claude Davis, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. that that's pretty much it. Didn't change much. So while I was um, while I was looking up the sound effects for this, I was really keen to use the "Who wants to be a millionaire? You've lost four thousand pounds" sound effect. <laughs> I found the sound effect for what happens when you have the million pound question and you get it wrong i'm just i'm just intrigued to know, to see what you think of this sound effect have a listen to this it's absolutely that's, terrifying it's haunting yeah that's horrifying yeah that's like they've clashed a lot of chords together to really give you a proper sense of dread as super yeah. hands would say yeah, yeah. It's I played yeah. to my wife earlier and she said it had like proper like pound shop haunted house vibes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's gonna that's gonna keep me awake at night, I think. I reckon Paul Warren should play that noise when we like lose to Blackpool in a couple of weeks, just to really <laughs> put the fear of God into them. Uh but good game. Enjoyed that, lads. Uh before we sign off and on the subject of this season, I couldn't help but notice recently that it was reported this weekend that Billy Davis is ready for a return to football management, Blake. He's, he's got his head in his hands already. What sort of club could you see wee Billy at if he does return to the dugout, do you think? A rugby club. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, with fear of Billy Davis texting me on Tuesday morning, <laughs> Billy Davis's record is incredible in the Championship. 15 years ago. Agreed. But in that 15 years... How, how a championship club has not taken a gamble on him, I do think is a bit strange. But so is Billy Davis. I'll end there so I don't get sued. I reckon, Kutch, he, uh, I reckon he fancy a Saudi gig, we Billy. Take the Saudi cash. Wow, I could, imagine I could that. Just see him, uh, I could just see him like bollocking, carrying Benzema off and not tracking back. Or like... well, an, an, an interesting string of kind of um, sub-par English, British managers have, have managed the Indian national team or the Thailand national team, haven't they? I think Phil Brown's been out there. I think John Adam Pardew. Uh, yeah. John and Gregory Allen Pardew's been in Bulgaria. And I think he crossed the wrong people in Bulgaria while he was down there, which was interesting. But look, if people think Paul Warnbull is um, is agricultural, then I'm not sure what a 2023 Billy Davis team would look like because you know that that Derby team that got promoted as, we, as much as we love them in a way because uh, we got promoted. Um, it was it was you know real real tough to watch stuff, but it was effective, and you don't care if you're winning every game one nil. Um, and that that's kind of his mo, and uh, and football has moved on a lot in the last ten years. I'd be surprised if a championship club. I, I agree with Blake that I'm surprised ten years ago someone didn't go and get him, give him another chance. Um, 
But now, no way. I think you'd, you'd be having to look at like a second division Scottish team or a League Two team in, in, in England. So I think Billy Davis could have, if you look at Mark Hughes now at Bradford, Billy Davis could have quite easily dropped down, yeah. rebuilt his name, done it somewhere else and built himself back up. But I think if he'd, if he'd have happily dropped down to League One, League Two, when he left our local rivals and gone and done a bit in League One and maybe gone to Scotland and got a Rangers job, or I think he went for that at one point. And I think if he'd have gone and done a bit and then come back, I look forward to uh, Billy Davis's Buxton dumping Derby County out of the first round of the FA Cup in uh, 2025. <laughs> That'll be fun to watch, won't it? Uh, look, boys, thanks for joining us. I've enjoyed that. I needed to get. I need. I needed that in my life, uh, and hopefully, our listeners will reflect on it in a similar way. Um, look, plenty of the season to go. Still, loads of time. Let's not panic. Let's not. Uh, dig each other out on social media too much if we can help it uh let's keep it civil let's stick together and let's keep the faith coach uh on to carlisle eh? yeah on to carlisle i know quite a few of our patrons are gonna be up there as well uh going to the game so i uh, hope they enjoy it blake i hope you have a safe trip up there and um i know we've got what we've got lincoln midweek first in the, in the pizza cup but i don't think anyone really cares about that but um yeah on to carlisle and hopefully let's get some wins on the road again blake you up for carlisle not been before i assume or have you yeah we're in the league cup about I can't remember what it was now. It must be seven years ago. Was it? I think it was when Michael Jacobs scored and they knocked the ground down. And he celebrated in front of an empty stand. There was the, <laughs> that famous clip of him standing in front of no stand. So I went that night on a Tuesday night. Very nice place. It's just very far away, which isn't appealing. Mm. But it all it comes with the territory, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're done Plymouth, you can do do Carlisle. Uh, yeah, that's the way I see it. So uh, we will return in a couple of weeks can do one more podcast in september i reckon blake fellows thanks for your time man thank you as ever been a pleasure well play coach see you in a couple of weeks cheers great victory take care boys <laughs>